0: come
1: to Carol's uh, a week and a half ago it's a good time wasn't it I'm so proud of our um, our church and also some of the other churches and organizations that uh, made it a possibility um, and in particular we had a great team behind the Carol's I just want to mention Joe she's not here tonight because they've got a wedding coming up and uh, and so she said she rang me today and said Steve I, I feel a bit pressed I've got a She's still sewing a wedding dress um, and I'm just amazed at uh, what Joe uh, did in making it possible and then also uh, our music team, Jake, uh, uh, Jacob Schultz, I don't know if he's here tonight, but um, yeah, he did an amazing job with our band and Kate, Katie did a great job emceeing and, uh, and all the other hands on deck. Thank you for all of those who helped out and also the sponsors I'm just absolutely amazed at what, um, what God did on, on that particular day. We actually had in a peace tent uh, set up on the side. And I don't know if uh, they... I think Joe said that they mentioned this on Sunday. Uh, but uh, on our holidays, uh, we, we had a... I don't know, it's just God's appointment, hey. Um, a lady by the name of Allie who was there at the carols, she said, I'm actually camping where you guys are camping. Can I talk to you about getting baptized and getting serious about my faith with Jesus? And so on this last Saturday, um, you can probably see it on our our Facebook page, I put some photos up there, but we had the privilege, both Liz and I, of baptizing uh, Ali and her mum, Kim. And the photo of Kim, I'm blown away, Um, Liz and I were just looking at it going, uh, she's just got this, uh, it's like, I don't know, the only way I can describe it is like, she's just like, this is the best day ever. Like, this is, I've been waiting for this. I need this. And the same was true for um, Ali And uh, I'm just so proud of our church because you've made that possible. And so, well done. It's so good. Um, Jazzy preached on Sunday. I love the question she asked. Do we bring the king uh, the things that we most value? Um, do we bring him the best of who we are? What's the gift that we bring? And, and so we've been talking about the story of the wise men over the last number of weeks. And the wise men, as you know the story, and we even sang about them uh, this afternoon, the wise men uh, followed a star, and uh, the star with GPS accuracy pinpointed the very place where the baby, uh, newborn Jesus, the new king, was born. And uh, I'm so amazed at this story. It's actually Matthew's, uh, you know, I think... It's kind of close to Matthew's heart, I read that between the lines, because Matthew was an outcast himself, a tax collector, and, uh, and at some stage, I'm sure, he thought, is it even possible for me to follow Jesus? And he includes a story of somebody who "It you're in good company, uh, because he, uh, are on the fringe, those are the anointed one of God, and so they've said yes to Jesus. And, uh, and so I wanted to continue this story. Um, as you know, the wise men, they follow a star, but then they also give gifts to the king, But we find in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, uh, Matthew records this. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They worshipped him. And I want to talk today about what it means to worship Jesus as king. What does it mean to worship him? Uh, Jesus, let me say this, Jesus is worthy of all your worship. He is worthy of all your praise. Uh, We find a snapshot of who Jesus is in all of his glory found in Revelation. John writes the book of Revelation, the very last book in the Bible. And he gets this snapshot of heaven. And in this snapshot, he sees 10,000 times 10,000 angels surrounding the throne. And here they are all declaring, if you can imagine it, at the top of their lungs, Praise and worship to Jesus as King. In fact, we find in verse 12 of chapter 5, John records it this way. He says, In a loud voice, in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Get this picture. Thousands upon thousands of angels, all expressing around the throne. This is the end picture of the glory around the King of Kings, of who God sees Jesus as. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should be skipping right now and saying an amen in your spirit. And you can say it out loud too, I don't mind that. You can say amen because you worship the King of Kings. How good is that? You worship the one who God has placed uh, in the very center of things, and he is God's redemption plan for you, which is so good. I, I remember uh, being a part of a men's conference. It was a Hillsong men's conference, and it was back in 2006. I've not been amongst 10,000 times 10,000. That's a pretty big, uh, pretty big crowd. But I have been amongst uh, 5,000 men, and uh, it's hard to express how good that was. Because 5,000 men, all singing at the top of their lungs, worshiped to their King of Kings. I don't know if you've ever heard men or a men's choir sing, but there's something powerful about men who stand up and say, I'm surrendered completely to Jesus. Men one of the things that we had said at the start of our church when we first started 11 years ago was, and we felt that God had said this to us, uh, we felt that God was going to move through the men in such a way that brought a momentum for community change. We really believe that God is going to raise up men. And anyway, in this particular conference, uh, I knew that through this conference, even though it was only 24 hours, a number of men, uh, and I, I would get... Gotta say, about a hundred of, of the men that were there had given their lives to Christ. They had surrendered themselves to Him. And in that moment, as we're singing, I'm starting to tear up because I know every single man there has made this bold decision of faith. I'm surrendered. I'm taking a hold of everything of Jesus. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have all the answers to you know, my, my relationship with my, my wife or my partner. I don't have all the answers to what lies in the future, but I'm making this declaration today that I'm going to make Jesus the center of everything. I'm going to worship him. You see, this is what worship is all about. Worship places, the one that we worship, or if it's a thing that you worship, the very biggest thing. It becomes bigger than anything else that you face. And so when you worship the King of Kings, you make Jesus greater than anything else you face, whether it be relationships, your job, whether it be uh, earning you know, an income, whether it be your health, and you place him as the Lord of Lords. You see, we can, we can think that there are a lot of great moments or things that are great within our relationship with Jesus. And you might uh, not think this way, but some people might gravitate towards uh, making greatness out of what they do, who they are for God. That uh, if they just do the right things for God, that 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 would um, be part of what greatness is about. But in fact, greatness has uh, nothing to do with those things in the sense that they make you great or that they make God great. It's worship that actually makes God great, and then all those things follow. So when it comes to prayer, as you worship God, uh, prayer then becomes a different kind of relationship rather than just calling on him for a prayer list of things that you have in mind for him to answer. Instead, you're actually worshiping him and you see him move through those things. Uh, when it comes to uh, you know becoming a good person, all those things come out of relationship. Some people chase being a good person and becoming exhausted and judgmental. But when it comes out of relationship, you become like the person that you hang out with. And so as you worship, you become like the one that you're worshiping. It's true of any area. If you worship money, you become as dead as money can be. But if you worship the living God, you become like him, amen? And so our worship is, is key, it's important. It's all about relationship. In fact, uh, if I told you that, well, firstly, Liz and I have been married for 23 years, and 23 years ago we had our wedding day, and uh, you see, the wedding itself was not the great moment. It was great. We, we had an amazing time and it celebrated something. The wedding dress, although Liz looked beautiful in a wedding dress, it wasn't about the wedding dress. The wedding ring, it wasn't about the wedding ring. It wasn't about signing the marriage register. You know, even over the years that we have been together, it's not about all the great things that we've done, the, the four great children that we've raised. And they're lovely. They're beautiful children. But it's all about relationship. You see, the wedding has everything to do with centering on, celebrating intimacy with one another that, that Liz has given herself completely to me, and I've given myself completely to her. And this is the same in our relationship with Jesus. You know, at our wedding, I sang a song for Liz that I wrote. And uh, the kids have seen it, but I tear up when I see it. Um, Liz teared up when I sang it and you know I had my boss uh, at our wedding I also had my work colleagues at our wedding I had uh, all of our family members at our wedding I had a lot of our friends at our wedding and that moment that I sang the song to Liz I only had eyes for her I didn't care what my boss thought of how I sang because it wasn't for him I didn't write the song for him I didn't write it so that he could fall in love with me. I wrote, it, I wrote it for my wife because I was deeply in love with her. And you might have something of similar nature in relationships that you're in right now or relationship that you're in right now or with your kids. And, uh, you, know, you know, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, it's all about your relationship with him. And worship is the center point. It's about giving yourself completely to him. So Matthew records the moment that this story of Jesus uh, comes out of a story from just the center of a family, uh, a family being Mary and Joseph, to now being a bigger story where it interacts with the world, in a sense. And in fact, we find this story interacting with the Magi or wise men from the East. These, uh, you see, Magi is another name for a magician or sorcerer or enchanter or uh, even a wise man. Uh, and so, the equivalent to this would be in Daniel's day, several centuries before, where Daniel was with the wise men of Nebuchadnezzar, and they were, they were wise men of sorcery, enchantment, all, you know, and astronomy, all those things. And yet, Daniel, as we know, he worshipped the one true God, and when push came to shove, he actually uh, staked all of his worship on the one true God. I find it interesting that it's almost a flip in the story now, and God actually uses the Magi of the East, people who weren't even Jewish, to come and see a king. They saw a star that was heading westward, and uh, they decided, or they had a revelation of this star when they saw it, that this was a star that only God could have put in place. That in fact, if God put it in place, then it must be that there is something significant that is happening right now. And so they understood this star to be the star of a king. And that it would be not just any king, but an anointed king that God had placed in his position. And so they, they decided, we're going to follow this star. And when they get to the place of Bethlehem, they find the child laying there. And that's where we find in verse 11, on coming to the house... They saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Now, the, the word worship here simply means uh, to fall down and worship or to prostrate yourself on the floor or to kneel down. So, if you can imagine, uh, you see, worship, I've heard some people say that worship is, actually means to kiss. And in some ways, that's true. There is an intimacy about it. It's not a kiss on the lips. It's a kissing, actually, on the floor. Uh, If you can imagine coming into a king's throne room and uh, bowing as low as you possibly can, so much so that they actually use this word that meant to kiss the floor. You see, there's a humility there, and there's an honor there that says, the king that's in, in the front, or the king that's in the midst of me, is the one who I am most, who is most worthy of praise and worship, and so they came into that room and they bowed before this king. The thing that I love about this story, this is what I felt like God had for me to share with you this morning, or this afternoon rather, is that Jesus was only a child. He hadn't done anything to actually uh, that was king-like. He hadn't done anything that uh, had established a throne. None of that, he was just simply a child, and they worshipped him simply because he was the anointed one. You might be looking for uh, you know, all the signs and all the different things as to, God, can you, can you please answer this part in my life, because I don't have it all ticked. But if you can just settle firstly, is Jesus the Son of God? Is he the anointed one of God? If he is, that's all you need to know. And everything else follows out of worship. I felt like there are some people here who have promises of God, and it's in its infancy, it's in seed form, and your part is not to question, is God actually in this or not? You simply have to just respond in worship because Jesus is who he said he is. We can press into all sorts of things, seeking him for answers to prayer, seeking him for breakthrough in your business, or asking him to change the heart of a work colleague. Lots of people have been there before. Um, or seeking him for a change of heart in, uh, in somebody that you love or in, a, in your child's life, or seeking him to, to change you. Perhaps there's uh, this desire, God, I absolutely need a change in me. I've tried to change me, and I can't change me. I've been there. And I've tried to change me. I can't do it. Only Jesus can change the heart of a man. And so we can be seeking after that and hoping for it, but our part is not to make it happen. Our part is to worship the King. Because the King is worthy of our praise and in The anointing of the king is everything that we need. You see, petitions to a king always follow worship. If I was to come into the same uh, throne room as the king and instead go straight into, I need this, 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 and this, rather than bowing before him, worshipping him, and declaring, you are great. You, You have all things ahead of you. You can choose to do whatever you like. And I simply come to you humbly, and now I request. Our worship always precedes petition. So here is what happens when we worship the king. I want you to pay attention to what happens, because as you worship the king, if you will make this decision to worship him in the midst of not having promises met, of not seeing things fulfilled the way that you thought they would, of not seeing your calling or your purpose come to the forefront yet, if you'll worship him, what happens is you'll start to focus on him more than you. Praise God. Because you can't change anything. But if you'll just focus on him, and what happens is he doesn't change, but you do. You start to align to the truth of who he is as you begin to focus on him. Our intimacy with Jesus is increased. Uh, our experience of his love, as a result, uh, we start to gain uh, I guess, trust in his love because we experience his love in that moment. And now all of a sudden when it comes to uh, asking God for things, our faith has increased because we know the one in whom we trust. If you'll worship him, it will change the way that you look at him and it will increase your faith. So prayer without worship is like an engine without oil. Prayer without worship is like a marriage without intimacy. Worship is so important in your relationship with God. I want to set some people free. Jesus wants to set some people free. To not be living out of trying to please God in certain ways or trying to live a certain standard, but just simply coming to Him. You see, it starts with humility and says, God, this is everything of me. This is where I'm at. This is this is my portion. I don't have much. And simply offer yourself to who the King of Kings is. This Christmas could be one of the most important Christmases that you've ever taken a hold of. Maybe this Christmas is the one that you choose to worship Him. See, we can get caught up in all the things of Christmas, all the different uh, pressures, all the different... Things that we know that we have to do, and the, you know the Christmas parties, all that kind of thing. But if we miss the very core of Christmas, the very thing that the wise men did first—that was to worship the King of Kings—we miss out on the whole spirit of Christmas. The whole thing that he, that that God delights in, is that we would delight in His Son with Him. In a few verses earlier, in verse eight of Matthew two. Uh, Matthew says, he sent them to Bethlehem. So this is Herod sending the Magi to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Do you know, Herod spoke the language of worship, but he didn't have the heart of worship. His, the worship that Herod had was for those around him to worship him. And so he spoke the language of worship, but his heart was not there. If you're a people pleaser, you can run the risk of speaking the language of worship and then finding yourself when push comes to shove, if, if it means that somebody else might think differently of you, you'll recoil from worshipping him. If you're like Judas, who spoke the language of worship, but when a woman uh, poured out the contents of a very expensive jar of perfume or bottle of perfume over Jesus' feet, uh, all of a sudden, because his worship was in money, it undermined the worship that he had for the King of Kings and he missed the intimacy with the one who was anointed right there in front of him. Later on, he would so regret the story that that he had made or the decision that he had made. Your worship of the King of Kings, if you can just think of bowing, that, that, that humility, that honor, that's the starting place of worshiping the King of Kings. So prayer without worship is like a marriage without intimacy. So if you want intimacy in your relationship with God and you want to know his voice, then worship the king. If you want to grow in your calling and your gifting, then worship the king. If you want to know the presence of God and know it tangibly, then worship the king. If you want to grow with a heart for the broken, then worship the king. If you want to gain a breakthrough in addiction or a stronghold in your life, then worship the king. If you want to know the heart of God and walk with him, then worship the king. Everything starts with worshipping the king. Philippians 2, 9-11 says in the New Living Translation, Therefore God elevated him, being Jesus, to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. God elevated him. If you can see just the the simple trail that God elevated Jesus, that's where your worship begins. That's where you press into him. I want to just finish by telling you one story. Uh, And it's a story that happened in our church maybe about seven or eight years ago. Uh, Donna Edwards, which many of you know, she had led a lady to the Lord who was a Chinese uh, student. And it came time uh, where she wanted to be baptized, and so we had the privilege of baptizing her in the lake just down at Crowder's Bay. And there has been a number of people have been baptized there. And uh, we took her out into the lake, and uh, you see, this was a costly, bold faith step for her. She knew that getting baptized meant uh, it meant a full surrender to Jesus, and she knew that it would cost her when she went home back to China. She knew that it was quite possible that her family would reject her. She knew that it was quite possible that she uh, could have trouble in her workplace. And so she was taking a bold step of faith. And so as she stood there, before she got baptized, tears were streaming down her face. And you could just tell she's giving her all. You see, baptism is like one of those amazing uh, worship points. For If you've never been baptized, I, I encourage you to, to do it because it's, it's a faith step where you just boldly proclaim, God, you are my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, I worship you. And so here she was, tears coming down her face. And before we knew it, uh, snot started to drip from her nose. And there was this nice big long goober uh, out of her nose. And it was swaying in the wind, like this. And it was the most beautiful picture. I'll never forget it. I was dodging it, but I'll never forget it because here was this beautiful picture of somebody who had surrendered herself completely to Jesus. It was a picture of worship. It was a picture of giving herself completely to him. And I just, I just want to press in with you. If you've never made Jesus the top part of your life where you worship him above everything else, I want to, I want to encourage you, make today the day that you actually choose Jesus. I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to surrender to you. Maybe you've been a Christian all your life, or you've grown up in a Christian home, but you've never actually surrendered yourself. You've said yes to Jesus, but it's been an intellectual yes. But you've never actually surrendered yourself to him. Today is the day. Christmas is the the right time, amen, to actually say yes to Jesus. This is the time to actually say, Jesus, I'm just, if the Magi who are not even of the nation of Israel could, could worship the king. Why can't we? Why can't that be your story? So I want you to stand just now. And firstly, uh, I'm just going to pray for those who sense that they have um, you know, a calling on their life or there's promises that God has made for them, and they're in the weights, and it's, it's like it's in seed form, it's in infancy. And I'm just going to pray, and you might like to join your prayers with mine, just in your hearts, to make this your own to say, Jesus, I'm choosing to worship you in the midst of the wait. And then I'm going to ask if, uh, in fact, what I've, I felt to do this afternoon was to pray, uh, you know, a sinner's prayer, to pray a prayer that, that is a prayer of surrender to Jesus. And I'm going to ask all of you to join in and just repeat after me. But there might be some people here who actually make that a personal uh, decision today. So you want to just close your eyes and let's just pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you sent your son, Jesus, and that in him is all the treasures of life. And Father God, I just lift up my brothers and my sisters, myself included. There are promises that I know that you've given me. I know that you've given promises to my brothers and sisters here also. Some of them are still in infancy, still in seed form, and we haven't seen them come through yet. Even though we've seen you do many great things, we've seen many great answers to prayer. But Lord God, we want to lift up uh, every single heart where they are and we worship you and we declare that you are the King of kings and that you hold everything in your hands. And Father God, we want to persist according to who you are, not according to what we see. So Father God, we want to take a hold of you. And so uh, this afternoon, we make a choice. We're choosing as we come into 2020 to take a hold of you To pray it through, not just to wait for it, but Lord God, to center in on it with faith that calls on your name and worships you in Jesus' name.